new on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face -face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious Trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. show on civil rights. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm one of the radio hosts for the New Heights show on education and the New Heights educational group. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'm asking our listeners to consider becoming a sponsor. This show is pre-recorded. This show is the second of three based on the confession of abolitionist Nat Turner taken from digitalcommons.unl.edu. After this revelation in the year 1825, and the knowledge of the elements being made known to me, I sought more than ever to obtain true holiness before the great day of judgment should appear. And then I began to receive the true knowledge of faith. And from the first steps of righteousness until the last was I made perfect, and the Holy Ghost was with me and said, Behold me as I stand in the heavens. And I looked and saw the forms of men in different attitudes. And there were lights in the sky, to which the children of darkness gave other names than what they really were. For they were the lights of the Saviour's hands, stretched forth from east to west, even as they were extended on the cross on Calvary for the redemption of sinners. And I wondered greatly at these miracles, and prayed to be informed of a certainty of the meaning thereof. And shortly afterwards, while labouring in the field, I discovered drops of blood on the corn, as though it were due from heaven. And I communicated it to many, both white and black, in the neighbourhood. And I then found on the leaves in the woods hieroglyphic characters and numbers with the forms of men in different attitudes, portrayed in blood, and representing the figures I had seen before in the heavens. And now the Holy Ghost had revealed itself to me, and made plain the miracles it had shown me. For as the blood of Christ had been shed on this earth, and had ascended to heaven for the salvation of sinners, and was now returning to earth again in the form of dew, and as the leaves on the trees bore the impression of the figures I had seen in the heavens, it was plain to me, that the Saviour was about to lay down the yoke he had borne for the sins of men, and the great day of judgment was at hand. About this time I told these things to a white man, Ethel Dread T. Brantley, on whom it had a wonderful effect, and he ceased from his wickedness, 
and was attacked immediately with a cutaneous eruption and blood oozed from the pores of his skin and after praying and fasting nine days he was healed and the spirit appeared to me again and said as the saviour had been baptized so should we be also and when the white people would not let us be baptized by the church we went down into the water together in the sight of many who reveled us and were baptized by the spirit after this i rejoiced greatly and gave thanks to god and on the 12th of may 1828 i heard a loud noise in the heavens and the spirit instantly appeared to me and said the serpent was loosened when christ had laid down the yoke he had borne for the sins of men and that i should take it on and fight against the serpent for the time was fast approaching when the first should be last and the last should be first do you not find yourself mistaken now was not christ crucified and by signs in the heaven that it would make known to me when i should commence the great work and until the first sign appeared i should conceal it from the knowledge of men and on the appearance of the sign the eclipse of the sun last february i should arise and prepare myself and slay my enemies with their own weapons and immediately on the sign appearing in the heavens the seal was removed from my lips and i communicated the great work laid out for me to do to four in whom i had the greatest confidence henry hawk nelson and sam it was intended by us to have begun the work of death on the fourth of july last many were the plans formed and rejected by us and it affected my mind to such a degree that i fell sick and the time passed without our coming to any determination how to commence still forming new schemes and rejecting them when the sign appeared again which determined me not to wait longer since the commencement of 1830 i had been living with mr joseph travis who was to me a kind master and placed the greatest confidence in me in fact i had no cause to complain of his treatment to me on saturday evening the 20th of august it was agreed between henry hawk and myself to prepare dinner the next day for the men we expected and then to concert a plan as we had not yet determined on any hawk on the following morning bought a pig and henry brandy and being joined by sam nelson will and jack they prepared in the woods at dinner where about three o'clock i joined them why were you so backward in joining them the same reason that had caused me not to mix with them for years before i saluted them on coming up and asked will how came he there he answered his life was no was worth no more than others and his liberty is dear to him i asked him if he thought to obtain it he said he would or lose his life this was enough to put him in full confidence jack i knew was only a tool in the hands of hark it was quickly agreed we should commence at home mr j travis on that night and until we had armed and equipped ourselves and gathered sufficient force neither age nor sex was to be spared which was invariably adhered to we remained at the feast until about two hours in the night when we went to the house and found austin they all went to the cider press and drank except myself on returning to the house hawk went to the door with an axe for the purpose of breaking it open as we knew we were strong enough to murder the family if they were awakened by the noise but reflecting that it might create an alarm in the neighborhood 
We determined to enter the house secretly and murder them while sleeping. Hart got a ladder and set it, set it against the chimney on which I ascended, and hosting a window, entered and came downstairs, unbarred the door, and removed the guns from their places. It was then observed that I must spill the first blood, on which, armed with a hatchet and accompanied by Will, I entered my master's chamber. It being dark, I could not give a death blow. The hatchet glanced from his head. He sprang from the bed and called his wife. It was his last word. Will laid him dead with a blow of his axe, and Mrs. Travis shared the same fate as she lay in bed. The murder of this family, five in number, was the work of a moment. Not one of them awoke. There was a little infant sleeping in a cradle that was forgotten until we had left the house and gone some distance. When Henry and Will returned and killed it, we got here four guns that would shoot and several old muskets with a pound or two or powder. We remained some time at the barn where we paraded. I formed them in a line of soldiers and after carrying them through all the maneuvers I was master of, marched them off to Mr. Salothil Francis about 600 yards distant. Sam and Will went to the door and knocked. Mr. Francis asked who was there. Sam replied, it was him, and he had a letter for him on which he got up and came to the door. They immediately seized him and dragging him out a little from the door, he was dispatched by repeated blows on the head. There was no other white person in the family. We started from there for Mrs. Reese's, maintaining the most perfect silence on our march, where finding the door unlocked, we entered and murdered Mrs. Reese in her bed while sleeping. Her son awoke, but it was only to sleep the sleep of death. He had only time to say, who is that? And he was no more. For Mrs. Reese, we went to Mrs. Turner's, a mile distant, which we reached about sunrise on Monday morning. Henry, Austin and Sam went to the still, where finding Mr. Peebles, Austin shot him, and the rest of us went to the house. As we approached, the family discovered us and shut the door. Vain hope. Will, with one stroke of his axe, opened it, and we entered and found Mrs. Turner and Mrs. Newsom in the middle of a room, almost frightened to death. Will immediately killed Mrs. Turner with one blow of his axe. I took Mrs. Newsom by the hand, and with the sword I had when I was apprehended, I struck her several blows over the head. But not being able to kill her, as the sword was dull, Will, turning around and discovering it, dispatched her also. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store,
back to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Barbara Bullen, and I'm the radio host for this show. This show is pre-recorded and focuses on the history of civil rights. A recap of the second segment of the show on the abolitionist Nat Turner's confession will continue. A general destruction of property and search for money and ammunition always succeeded the murders. By this time, my company amounted to 15 and nine men mounted who started for Mrs. Whitehead's. The other six were to go through by way to Mr. Bryant's and rejoin us at Mrs. Whitehead's. As we approached the house, we discovered Mr. Richard Whitehead standing in the cotton patch near the fence, near the lane fence. We called him over into the lane and Will, the executioner, was near at hand and with his fatal axe to send him to an untimely grave. As we pushed on to the house, I discovered someone run around the garden, and thinking it was some of the White family, I pursued them, but finding it was a servant girl belonging to the house, I returned to commence the work of death, but they whom I left had not been idle. All the family were already murdered, but Mrs. Whitehead and her daughter Margaret, as I came round to the door, I saw Will pulling Mrs. Whitehead out of the house, and at the step he nearly severed her head from her body with his broad axe. Miss Margaret, when I discovered her, had concealed herself in the corner formed by the projection of the cellar cap from the house. On my approach, she fled, but was soon overtaken, and after repeated blows with a sword, I killed her by a blow on the head with a fence rail. By this time, the six who had gone by Mr. Bryant's rejoined us and informed me they had done the work of death assigned them. We again divided, part going to Mr. Richard Porter's and from thence to Nathalian Francis, the others to Mr. Howell Harris and Mr. T. Dolls. On my reaching Mr. Porter's, he had escaped with his family. I understood there that the alarm had already spread and immediately returned to bring up those sent to Mr. Doyle's and Mr. Howell Harris. The party I left going on to Mr. Francis, having told them I would join them in that neighborhood. I met these sent to Mr. Doyle's and Mr. Harris returning, having met Mr. Doyle on the road and killed him, and learning from some who joined them that Mr. Harris was from home. I immediately pursued the course taken by the party gone on before but knowing they would complete the work of death and pillage at Mr. Francis before I could get there. I went to Mr. Peter Edwards, expecting to find them there, but they had been here also. I then went to Mr. John T. Bowers. They had been here and murdered him. I pursued on their track to Captain Newitt Harris, where I found the greater part mounted and ready to start. The men now mounting to about 40 shouted and hurried, as I rode up, some were in the yard, loading their guns and others drinking. They said Captain Harris and his family had escaped, the property in the house they destroyed, robbing him of money and other valuables. I ordered them to mount and march instantly. This was about nine or ten o'clock, Monday morning. I proceeded to Mr. Levi Waller's, two or three miles distant. I took my station in the rear, and as it twas my object to carry terror and devastation wherever we went, 
I place 15 or 20 of the best arms and most to be relied on in front, who generally approached the houses as fast as their horses could run. For this, this was for two crevices to prevent their escape and strike terror to the inhabitants. On this account, I never got to the houses after leaving Mrs. Whitehead's until the murders were committed, except in one case. I sometimes got inside in time to see the work of death completed, viewed the mangled bodies as they lay in silent satisfaction, and immediately started in quest of other victims. Having murdered Mrs. Waller and ten children, we started for Mr. William Williams. Having killed him and two little boys that were there while engaged in this, Mrs. Williams fled and got some distance from the house, but she was pursued, overtaken and compelled to get up behind one of the company who brought her back, and after showing her the mangled body of her lifeless husband, she was told to get down and lay by his side where she was shot dead. I then started for Mr. Jacob Williams, where the family were murdered. Here we found a young man named Drury, who had come on business with Mr. Williams. He was pursued, overtaken and shot. Mrs. Vaughan was the next place we visited, and after murdering the family here, I determined on starting for Jerusalem. Our number amounted now to fifty or sixty, all mounted and armed with guns, axes, swords and clubs. On reaching Mrs. Mr. James W. Parker's gate immediately on the road leading to Jerusalem and about three miles distant, it was proposed to me to call there, but I objected as I knew he was gone to Jerusalem and my object was to reach there as soon as possible. But some of the men having relations at Mr. Parker's, it was agreed that they might call and get his people. I remained at the gate on the road with seven or eight the others going across the field to the house, about half a mile off. After waiting some time for them, I became impatient and started to the house for them. And on our return, we were met by a party of white men who had pursued our blood-stained track and who had fired on those at the gate and dispersed them, which I knew nothing of, not having been at that time rejoined by any of them. Immediately on discovering the whites, I ordered my men to halt and form as they appeared to be alarmed. The white men, 18 in number, approached us in about 100 yards when one of them fired. This was against the positive orders of Captain Alexander P. Pete, who commanded and who had directed the men to reserve their fire until within 30 paces. And I discovered about half of, half of them retreating. I then ordered my men to fire and rush on them. The few remaining stood their ground until we approached until we approached within 50 yards when they fired and retreated. We pursued and overtook some of them who we thought were left dead. They were not killed. After pursuing them about 200 yards and rising a little hill, I discovered they were met by another party and had halted and were reloading their guns. This was a small party from Jerusalem who knew the Negroes were in the field and had just tied their horses to await their return to the road. Knowing that Mr. Parker and family were in Jerusalem, but knew nothing of the party that had gone in with Captain Pete, on hearing the firing, they immediately rushed to the spot and arrived, just in time to arrest the progress of these barbarous villains, villains and save the lives of their friends and fellow citizens. Thinking that those who retreated first and the party who fired on us at fifty or sixty yards distant, had all had all fallen back to meet others with ammunition. 
This comes to the conclusion of the show. The next show will be the continuation of Nat Turner's Confession. Thank you for listening. You can reach me by email, barbarab at newheightseducation.org. Be sure to join me every Sunday at radio.newheightseducation.org, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I discuss the history of civil rights. Also join Olenian Tabert's pre-recorded radio show, which airs by Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Pamela Clark's pre-recorded shows, which airs Wednesday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Civil rights is our right. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.